1: Everyone and Welcome to episode
0: 122 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis, here as always with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. I'm really excited because today we're going to do one of our favorite things. Yes. And that is to take questions um, from listeners. And we get we get these and we kind of save them up. Yeah. Um, we hoard them a little bit, and then we like to pick some of our favorites and answer them every every so often. So this will be a, one of those two-parters where we'll answer a few in this episode and then answer a few more next week.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really fun. And almost all of them, all the ones for today and most of the ones for next week were sent in with listeners recording their voices, which is so much fun to hear your voices. And so, um, yeah, at the end of the show, we'll remind you guys how to do that if you would like to do that for a future episode. So um, first up, we're welcoming back Kind Snacks as our sponsor today. You guys have heard us talk about how much we love Kind Bars. And I actually went by and picked up a couple of boxes this week because (laughs) I needed more even in between my Kind Snack shipments because we were having work done on our house and I didn't have access to like any of my normal food. So um, the way the Kind Snack Club works is you sign up and the first thing you get is a free sampler box which lets you try out a whole bunch of fun flavors that are kind of hard to find in stores so we both got to do that. All you pay is shipping to try those out and then that gets you started with the Kind Snack Club where you can go in and pick a couple of your favorite flavors and receive them monthly to your door at a discount so you don't have to remember to put it on your list and also save quite a bit of money doing it that way. And I
0: need to go to the store too because I just ran out of dark chocolate cocoa breakfast bars at work and it is very sad when I go to reach for one to get me through the morning. I know, I I know. It's
1: just that like little peace of mind knowing that you don't. And I just, I have talked about it before, but I feel like it keeps me from making bad snacking decisions. It's that like salty, sweet, um, you know, wholesome ingredients, ingredients you can see and pronounce nothing funky in there. So it's just a great thing to have tucked away in your purse or your diaper bag or wherever you need to reach for a quick and healthy snack yeah, absolutely. so to get get started you go to Kindsnacks.com slash mom so it's kind snacks.com slash mom there you'll get the full details on the kind snack club and how to get that sampler box for free when you just pay shipping so thanks to kind Thanks, kind. Okay, so we're going to dive right into our listener questions. And um, we're going to play this first one, which kind of I think of this as kind of a two part question. So we'll talk about both parts. Um, and it comes from Ellie. So here's Ellie.
2: Hi, Sarah and Megan. This is Ellie Abney. I've been a long time listener since you guys were podcasting over at the home hour together. Um, I am a mom of three in Southern California. And I just had my third in January and I have a couple questions for you you guys. We just found out we're pregnant with our fourth. (laughs) That is due next January. So they'll be exactly 12 months apart. And I'm curious what the closest age gap that you have is and if you have any tips for that. My oldest two are three and a half years apart. And then my next two are exactly two years apart. And then these two will be one year apart. So if you have any tips for that. And then also this will be our first time with our kids needing to share rooms. And so I'm curious if you have any tips for which kids to share rooms, the oldest, the youngest, how would, how you think, what your experience is with that. And um, just if you have any tips for that transition. Thank you so much. I love your show so much. Thanks. Have a good one okay thank you ellie and, congrats. and congratulations know,
1: congrats um we're Very recording exciting. this let's see yeah in the beginning of october so ellie is closing in on baby number four spaced one year after baby number three um oh. so i love both these questions and um we'll just tackle it as we can so the spacing between my kids is exactly two years or two years and a month between the first two and then a little over two and a half years between number two and number three so i don't have super close spaced kids but we'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. And Megan, do you want to talk about your spacing?
0: Yeah, no, the closest spacing I have is um, 21 months. So okay. not,
1: same thing, not super close. Which is um, still, though, I feel like anything was, less than two yeah. years. I remember when I, mine are like 25 months apart, but I had friends who were anywhere in that 18, 20, 21. It's still a big difference because those two-year-olds big. mature so much between 21 months and say two and a half. It's like every month is, you know, a big deal. Yeah. But, and
0: I would say, I would say it wasn't, the hardest part was wasn't having a newborn and a toddler because that's you know i had that um for a long time it was more like when when the baby was a toddler and Mm -hmm. the older one was still Kind of pretty little that like was, a three you know, and a got, half and a
1: two year old yeah getting out
0: of the house was hard mm-hmm. I mean the, it was getting out of the house was hard anyway but like especially when both kids could fight you right um yeah that kind of thing so I don't have great advice for that close of spacing <laughs> get your sleep where you can and also you know keep in mind that this is going to be like an intense but relatively short yeah period of super difficult you know nights and getting them to do the same stuff at the same time you know and and nap times and all that um, but it'll be over and I always when people ask me the ideal spacing, it's like, well, you can either, you know, stretch it out and have everything, like do everything and then get a little break in between and like, you know, the potty training and all that, or you can kind of crush it all together. I don't think there's one that's better or worse. No. than the other. It's just very different.
1: I kind of love that, Ellie, it's baby three and four. So she is a seasoned mom. She's already right. survived having three kids, which that was the hardest transition yep. for me <laughs> and where I stopped. Yep. Um, but I when we got this question, I actually threw it out on Facebook because I knew that obviously neither you or I have kids, what I would call super closely right. spaced. Um, but I knew our listeners did. So I will link to this Facebook thread in the show notes because we got amazing feedback, including feedback from moms who have kids 12 months apart 13 14 very closely spaced and twins because there's some of the same consideration and just a couple of the highlights were several people said get everybody on the same sleep schedule as soon as possible Mm. and so that is I did think that was good food for thought even if you're not an overly scheduled sleep person I can just see how that would just make life so much easier and then lots of other just great tips about you know accepting help knowing that this too shall pass pretty quickly Mm. you know all of those things that we know but really some really um excellent sort of tactical and practical tips so be sure to either go to our facebook page or go to the show notes for episode 122 and we will link to that because i feel like it's there's a treasure trove there um yeah but yeah and so let's talk about the kind of part two which is room sharing because we've both done this mm. and with different ages so ellie's specific question is like which kids to pair up and when yeah. do you remember i know you have done room sharing I've do you done remember how this all different, well i've done
0: all. i've been i've done all of it i've done it all over the place i think with a baby, you want the baby to share a room with the best sleeper so Mm -hmm. i would not i would not personally put a baby in a room with someone who struggled at night to sleep someone who was a noisy sleeper someone who got up a lot at night like i would maybe pair the baby with the oldest Mm -hmm. um i've done that okay um i've I don't think and I'm trying to think back when space was made it necessary I would have two kids like the closest aged kids together but as a general rule I didn't do that because I just found like a couple of kids two years apart in the same room especially if they're younger they're Mm -hmm. really young it just it can be just complete chaos right so i think if you go by personality though i mean not all kids are going to be that way and i don't know what about you if you had to pick two of your kids to had to share a room which two would they be
1: yeah so right now i would probably pick Actually, the younger two, so Reed and Violet. But it would have taken a while to get there. They both sleep really well now. Reed's a really uh, deep sleeper. And actually, my lightest sleeper is the oldest, Allegra. Um, But I did have Reed and Allegra share a room when they were three and five. um, And it was for about a year, I think. And it worked out fine. Um, I'm curious if... So you had all boys first. But I know there's a lot of moms who start to wonder if boy-girl room sharing gets weird after a certain amount of time. And I, I mean i don't think that would get weird for quite a while right yeah. like i no, mean yeah. you're not <clears throat> my kids don't care still about changing clothes in front of one another and i know yeah. that does change with with age but i i don't i can't remember what ellie's um gender order is but i for sure had no hesitation about a boy girl room sharing i know like if you'd like to decorate your rooms ki- your kids rooms right. really cute maybe that is a challenge um I'm actually sitting and recording in the bunk bedroom now, where I have a really cute patterned bedspread that I bought when I knew it was going to be a boy-girl share, and it's super cute. So, Little considerations like that, maybe. I know Gender gender is, would not be The number one thing no. For me like ever <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I, don't, I had a teenager It I really wouldn't be The determining factor for me And I will also say That um, Ellie's Going to have Like a legit big family now yeah. And I find that In big families That even becomes Less of a thing Like yeah. you know Especially And I don't remember The genders of her Other kids um, But I just In my family That's never been a problem And the kids have all Kind of drifted And gravitated From room to room And yeah. I, I find that In big families the idea of where everyone sleeps tends to just be a little laxer because right. kids get close with other siblings and then they right. kind of switch alliances yeah. or certain kids need privacy more than others. It and just schedules, changes a lot. schedules
1: will line up for a while and then they won't. And so then I re- they won't. Yep. I remember phases where like if you have a napping preschooler a preschooler or a toddler who takes naps they can stay up a little later at night and then your kindergartner or first grader is just as tired because they don't take naps anymore do you know what i mean right. so even yep. though there's a couple of um, years in between they really can go to bed at the same time because one of them has the benefit of that nap and then that one gives up the nap and now now they get tired really early right. at, at, yeah. in the evening the one thing i will say too as someone who was you know kind of controlling about sleep is i really worried about putting them in together and disruptions like waking up to go to the bathroom at night or having a bad dream you know my. Were, they were sleeping through the night in theory, but they were still at that age where if they needed help in the night, it required like calling out for mom or you know getting right. up and. Um, the truth is, I think some of that makes kids a little more flexible and there are kids who are light sleepers and other kids who are heavy sleepers, but it's like, Mm. you just have to push through the first week or two or three. So that might be another thing for Ellie to consider is when to do it, like to do it now when there's a few months before baby is so hard when you're like, you're, when you're pregnant, you're just already waking up so much. I can, I can see how you wouldn't want to do that, but, um, knowing that it'll be a little bit of a transition, but then there are some real conveniences, like if they are similar aged or similar bedtime kids you can put them together put them to bed together in one room and you're not yeah. going back and forth to you know give kisses and read stories and all that so right. i think yep. there's a lot of benefits but
0: yeah and i think that the answer to this is it depends which is so <laughs> Sorry. i mean we always feel like we're always giving these kind of non-answer answers but it does seem that way doesn't it it does it's yeah it depends and um you, it, and it'll all be okay it'll all be if you okay put, if you put two kids together and it's the wrong fit change yep. it
1: and I feel like there's a little bit of a grace period with that newborn baby where the newborn baby's not even like sleeping on a normal schedule at all. So they're either with you and in your bedroom or, you know, right. everything's up in the air. So it's probably that one year old. It's probably, if, I, if that were my situation, it would probably be the 12 month old that I would think most strategically about having good sleep, like good yeah. sleep schedule yeah. and a good sleep bedroom, because the older ones are a little bit older and the newborn's going to do what the newborn's going to do. Exactly. So I'd probably put all of my focus into that one year old and them to sleep however
0: i would just obsessively <laughs> obsessively focus on my one-year-old to the you know that's exclusion what I would do. Yeah. of all else of course that's good, good advice. advice good advice
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right um well ellie we're rooting for you i think that's awesome and slightly terrifying but in the best possible way so you're going to be awesome um okay question two comes from rachel and it is about helping siblings get along so let's listen to rachel
3: Hey, Megan and Sarah, this is Rachel, and I have two little girls ages 4 and 14 months, and my question involves fostering a healthy sibling relationship, and uh, my main problem is that my oldest daughter, she loves her little sister and wants to play with her, but she gets frustrated when her little sister doesn't understand rules of games or how to... She share toys so she ends up seeing her little sister as more of an annoyance than, um, than as a buddy and um, of course she ends up yelling at her or getting you know in other ways, uh, you know, snatching toys out of the little one's hands, which makes the little one cry. And so and everybody ends up upset. And so what I, ends up happening is that I separate them, and I don't want to have to always do that. Um, and I feel like with the three year age gap, I'm grasping at straws, trying to think of things they can do together, but they can only play peekaboo or take turns on a playing xylophone for so long. So, um, I'm just wondering if this is just something that will naturally get easier as they get older, or is it something? Um, is there something I can do to make it better? Uh, thank you, guys, and um, keep up the good work with the podcast.
1: Okay, so Rachel, first of all, 14-month-old, 15-month-olds are the worst. 1-year-olds are the worst. <laughs> Megan and yeah, I have worst. established that. And I also want to tell you it's about to get way better. I know we say that, but specifically, no, really I remember well. I remember 18 months being a threshold for when the younger yep. could play with the older. Um, but I have a few more I do have a few more thoughts. This is really common and it's not going to be forever. They're not going to hate no. each other forever. Well, and
0: 4 and 14 months are really hard because 14 months is a baby. Yeah. And four Four is that really independent age where kids are getting their crap together yep. you know older kids and they have real opinions about stuff
1: and they want Isn't things the to go their way their like their they, way, they yeah. know the rules like she said she yep. like the four-year-old doesn't understand why the one-year-old won't play by the rules like four-year-olds right. you know get real into fairness and the rules yep. and all of that um well i have a couple of just practical tips that came into my head and um one is that sometimes four-year-olds like to help teach or help um like mm. if you give the four-year-old a job that instead of expecting them to play together because they can't because they're not on Equal playing fields. Um, giving the four year old some kind of job that allows her to teach her sister something or um, be part of like almost like a mommy's helper and not maybe she won't be into that, but that's just one idea. I do feel like that's different than having them be expecting them to play together. Um, the other thing is make sure that older one is getting some time either with peers yeah. or with mom or dad where she's not feeling frustrated that she's never getting or to alone. play or alone. Yeah. 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 Um, so that there's some special time, we've talked about that in previous episodes, some little yeah. one-on-one time or play dates. You know, it's a great age if she's social. My four-year-olds weren't always super social, but my youngest is. And if she's social, then even play dates with peers or friends or cousins or whoever, so that she she doesn't have all that pent-up frustration of never getting to play with someone her age or a little bit yeah. older who can play by the rules. So those were a I couple.
0: Would, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that second one, and, and I think it's important to not <clears throat> get so caught up in the idea that your kids are going to be buddies that you kind of like almost create a backfiring situation. Right. <laughs> um, I would focus on qual- quality over quantity of time mm-hmm. that they spend together. And I think the quality of time will be better if your older feels like she can get that, like you were saying, Sarah, right. that time by herself or with peers or with you guys. Yeah. um I just feel like then she might see then she might feel a little more generous right. and I don't know willing to be really kind to her sister. Where right. if she feels like it's forced on her, um, she might not. And that's that's legitimate. That's fair because fourteen month old k- babies can be annoying. Yeah, and so will a two year old be and a three year old. That's
1: not yep. going to go away. You know. Yep. And we yeah we've talked a lot on the show about the personalities. Like it, that's why going back to Ellie's question, I think the space in between your kids is only one factor because you can have siblings spaced. You know, whatever space apart, and their personalities either do or they don't match up. Match, match yeah. up, and then that changes over time. Um, I think I think it's helpful too. A four-year-old can really start to understand what what she can expect from say a one and a half and two year old as the baby does right. get older and you as the mom can help modify games and rules you know like it's not we can't expect her to do xyz what if we change the rules to you know and little by little yeah. you're just giving them skills and tools because actually that's that, those are great skills to have their whole life it's never a perfect match of social and yep. developmental abilities so being able to figure out that's why i love i love big families i love mixed age cousin groups because when you want all that, maybe not at four and fourteen months, but when you watch groups of kids, don't you think, Megan? They just figure out. They figure they, it out. Yeah. They figure out how to accommodate everybody, and a lot of times they do it on their own. But it takes sort of being there and sort of coaching yeah. them. I think they need to be coached because they don't always understand what the younger is um, capable of. Exactly.
0: Um, another thing I will say, and I've made you know, I learned this the hard way with various kids of my own and nieces and nephew groupings and pairings. Um, It's very easy to put the onus of getting along on the older, Mm, always. Till you, and then create a monster out of the younger mm-hmm. <laughs> only by not having any expectations of them so right. like a 14 month old you can't expect a whole lot of you know they are what they are they're basically like a walking bundle of nerves Yeah. Um, and and like reactions but as that 14 month old gets older if they know every time they run to you you're going to side with them or if they can instigate and fly under the radar yep. if they're just going to figure you out and I think it's really wise to pay pretty close attention to how you're reacting and what dynamics are being created? Because yeah. you don't want the the younger to be the one who gets away with everything, um, ends up kind of spoiled, ends up whining a lot because they know if they whine they get their way, tattling a lot. I mean that, and that can happen. And you don't even like you're just tired and you're just trying to get yeah. through the day, so you're giving in to stuff and you're yeah. kind of giving the. The younger giving one, Giving them a want, free pass. Yeah. Giving them a free pass. And then next thing you know, they just expect that they're going to always get their way. And I just, it's, you know, I'm a baby myself, a baby <laughs> of the family. I'm sure I did that myself, but I've watched that happen in the pairings in my family as well. Um, yeah. But the younger sometimes could be a real stinker. And, kind of get away with it and then yeah. the older kid just had to suck it up and that's right. not necessarily it's
1: not fair great. and it's not fair and it's not going to create what you want in the end. right i think that's such a good point and and i know having so my my middle and youngest have very opposite personalities i've talked about it on the show when violet was like 18 months well pretty much her whole life but especially in that one to 2 year old range i mean she wasn't just a busy active toddler who couldn't follow the rules she, we would call her the home wrecker like she would just wreck stuff <laughs> on purpose and on purpose because of that stinker streak Um, And Reed being his personality would flip out. And this was a dynamic in our house for a long time. Um, And I I agree. I think those olders need to feel secure. So whether you're helping them by maybe it's moving certain toys into their room and maybe maybe they do have to have maybe a little time by themselves, but at least their personal property is not at risk. Like for a while for us, it really was helping the older kids feel like they, you know, they were important enough that their stuff did not have to get torn up, ripped and stepped on by sort of a holy terror so I feel you that was hard and it's better now it really is
0: yeah yeah, I hope that better. is helpful. I know <laughs> um, it's also just kind of like a suck it up and get through it as well as you can thing until they're old enough to appreciate each other, which sometimes takes a while.
1: It, it does take a while. And I think when, we, when that's all we know, then we tend to project and be like, OK, well, this is how it's going to be forever. And I heard a little bit of that in yeah. Rachel's voice. Like, oh, no, did I pick a three-year age gap? And now are they right, ever going to be on yeah. the same? And the truth is, they will and they won't. And it'll ebb and flow. But for sure, it will get better than four and 14 months. That I feel really confident, guaranteed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's take a little break and talk about another sponsor, and that is Fab Fit Fun. This was so much fun. Did you I love so your subscription box? box? Yeah. So let's tell people what it is before we get okay. too carried away. All so right. it's a quarterly subscription box, not monthly. And I I mentioned that just because these are full size, beautiful products, mm-hmm. and the box itself will always retail over two hundred dollars. So it's two hundred dollars worth of stuff for a lot less than. $200 and it's not little samplers it's not things to try it's like right. stuff you get to keep and it is yes. amazing so yeah, yeah talk about opening your box it was so well, fun
0: well I had to tell you I have to tell you that my son opened my box for me because he <laughs> I guess Jacob just thought it was so cool that he dug in one day and then texted me he was like mom there's this box it's got all this great stuff in it and I was like I was supposed to open it. <laughs> that's but
1: mine son he, he had the
0: unboxing fun and then he put it all back in and like covered it back up so I could have the experience of unboxing the thing I loved the best it came with this beautiful scarf. We got the same stuff. Yeah. We got the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's this beautiful like wrap, like a big sized scarf. Um, which by itself was probably the value of the whole box. Like, yeah, seriously. I, I pulled it out and I was like, "This is just one thing." And there yeah. were all there were hair products. There was a um, face mask, makeup, um, a cool gym a little bang. jewelry hanger. Did jewelry you get the little hanger. jewelry hanger
1: yep. like to hang your I necklaces? Did. It's like a yep. rose gold, um, like super cute um, to just hang like your really well earrings.
0: curated stuff. It was a pleasure to open it. I really had fun with it, and I,
1: I'm not really big into the subscription box
0: thing, but this one was fun. I think I would do this one. Well, again for I think sure. the
1: reason why it was such a good fit for us was that this is the type of stuff that moms do not go out and buy yourselves. It is not the stuff that's at Target. And you know how we love Target. We love picking up a quick lipstick or whatever. I am obsessed with the lipstick that it came with. On one side, it's like a Mm -hmm. crayon, so it goes on really bold, but then the other side is more like a chapstick, so you can do a little bit of each. You can go lighter, you can go darker. I would not have picked that up at the drugstore for myself, and I wouldn't have spent the money, and I also wouldn't have done the research on which products are really hot right now. That's why I feel like for moms, this is like a guaranteed quarter orderly pick-me-up where you can feel like, oh, I'm like hip to some of these brands that right, the young right, people right, right. are wearing. That's right. like, like, we can feel relevant again. Yeah. And <laughs> without having to, so without having to go out and, you know, find the cool products and right. read all the beauty blogs, it was just such a treat. And I feel like our listeners should treat themselves. So we have yeah. $10 off. So here's, here's the deal. The stuff in the box retails over 200 they normally will charge you 49.99 per box which again you're saving so much just right there but then we have a 10 dollars off your first box coupon with coupon code the mom hour okay. so you get that at fabfitfun.com you can also watch my unboxing video that i did and posted on with facebook with your doggy in it with Super my cute. dog like chewing a dirty sock <laughs> um so yeah you can see some of those and you guys have probably seen fabfitfun popping up on your social media well it's media, just funny so.
0: i was actually thinking about like the beauty like the Models who are doing them and yes. celebrities who are doing the unboxing videos, and then and then in yours there's like a dog running through and just it was really funny. I'm just and you and I talking real. about the products and having absolutely no idea what they are because right don't,
1: yeah we don't keep up on it. like this is fun, um, <laughs> exactly. but I do I honestly think just from a pure deal like this is a steal forty bucks right. for all it that really stuff is. yeah. Yep. So again fabfitfun.com use the coupon code the mom hour and you will save ten dollars off your first box and I heard they do sell out. I haven't heard that this fall, but I heard that sometimes they sell out. So okay. go grab. Or send, send a link to somebody who's looking for a gift idea for you. That's a great idea. So, all right, thanks to Fab Fit Fun. Okay.
2: So, we're going to move on to a question from Katie, and we will listen to Katie now. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Katie, and I have two boys who are six months old and two and a half. Are any of your kids shy? How do you handle it? On a good day, my two and a half year old is slow to warm up, but other times, he completely freezes when someone says hi. If we're at the park and other kids show up, he no longer wants to play, or if we host a play date, he might go upstairs or into another room. I want to explain to other kids and moms what's going on, but I don't want him to hear me label him as shy and then have it become a lifelong self-fulfilling prophecy. As a stay-at-home mom, I might be extra sensitive to this because he doesn't go to daycare, but we do our fair share of activities like story time and swim. Any advice for how I can support and encourage him? Thanks. I love your show. Thanks for your question, Katie. Oh,
0: Okay, so I have to say I've never had a kid who was like super shy um you know to the end of the spectrum shy but i've definitely had kids with um varying levels of introversion and also kids who've gone through like introverted uh sort of almost phases when Mm -hmm. then they kind of came out and really weren't anymore. Or sometimes they would like surprise me and just in a situation I thought they would do great in, they kind of would freeze up. So, um, I've had some experience with that for sure. And I I hear what you're saying about not wanting to label them. I think there's ways you can say things where everyone's going to know the code that you're speaking. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, he takes a while to warm up. That's Mm -hmm. one I might use, Mm -hmm. or sometimes he just needs some time, you know, things like that, where I think other parents, uh, will understand what you're saying without having to use, you know, the SHY label, right. which I understand why you wouldn't want to do that, um, but I think one thing to. to keep in mind first is like, how does your child feel about being shy? Like if he's not upset about not wanting to play with other kids or if he's fine with going to his room and not wanting to come out, my tendency would be to not force it. Um, and to not even necessarily really worry about it. It's more if they're, they're missing out on things they really want to do, or if social situations are really unpleasant for them because they're so shy that's where i think there's just like a little bit of a difference between a kid who hangs back and doesn't mind hanging back and the kid who feels bad about it and needs support
1: to get out there do you think so sarah like there's a little lot not difference. Only, I not only, only do out. i think so but that's what i was gonna say you stole my oh. <laughs> I, no but that's exactly i think a point that a <laughs> lot of people forget which is how does your child feel about their quote unquote shyness or reserved nature or whatever um i had my oldest was We just called her the observer, the watcher, because Mm -hmm. she would just hang back. But she was completely calm about it. There was no anxiety. She wasn't um, overwhelmed, I wouldn't even say. She just didn't really engage until – I used to joke you could set a clock to it. We'd go – and this is even with playdates where she knew some of the kids. And she'd still hang by me or by herself and kind of – just not engage with the other kids for like 30 minutes. And I swear by the time she was maybe three, you could set a clock to it. And like at the 30 minute mark there, she'd be like little by little on her own Mm -hmm. timing, getting in. So I a hundred percent agree. I'm so glad you brought that up that read your child on whether this is something that's distressing them or just part of their nature. The other thing I was going to bring up is I feel like I'm, I model the social skills myself when my kids are at this phase and it might feel kind of Silly, but if someone comes up to my kid, an adult or or maybe another outgoing kid and is saying, you know, hi Violet, I'm, you know, I'm so excited to play with you today. I'm glad you're here. And if my kid doesn't say anything at all or or shrinks behind my back, I instead of just drawing attention, I would just say, Hey, we're so glad to be here too. And I sort of become the voice. Um like, no, like
0: their microphone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. if someone says nice to meet you, instead of nudging my kid and say, Say nice to meet you, I just say, nice to meet you, say, nice to meet you too. So I'm just sort of modeling and And then, you know, little by little, they'll surprise you after months or years, you know, Mm -hmm. that won't be they won't shrink behind you anymore. And they'll be ready to make those social graces or make conversation. We forget like two and three year olds, like adults, social um, norms are so foreign to them. I mean, weird. They're weird. weird. Like, (laughs) and and the fact that people come up and want to start talking to you right away. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just so normal. So, um, number one, I think, yeah, it's normal. Normal, and they grow out of it. And there's a lot you can do. I think to just you know model the friendly behavior that you're hoping to see from them, and they will definitely catch on. And also, like you said, totally read read whether it's distressing them or just kind of the way they are.
0: Um, And to your point about Allegra, like uh, you know having the time, the half hour, you know clock or whatever, um, giving her, allowing her to do that without putting a bunch of pressure on her from the beginning allows her to kind of like open up slowly on her own schedule. And if you had been trying to push her forward or calling attention to the fact that she wasn't speaking or engaging with people yet. She might've felt more uncomfortable or more, um, self-conscious
1: about yes, it. yes yeah like she was um, up. yes like there was some pressure i want to address to katie's concern about not being in daycare or preschool because she's a stay-at-home mom um if mm-hmm. you have ever observed toddlers in a full-time daycare program they i mean of course there are there's some socialization benefits and great programs will help kids but they are not really playing with each other they're right. totally parallel playing yep. um and i think that's mostly a myth that that would necessarily solve the issue um right. and it sounds like they getting out in the world, they're being around people, being around people. I think I think it's misguided to think that if we put a bunch of same age toddlers in a room or preschoolers that they're just going to play with each other. I just think they're all in different. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. So I think so. I'm not saying socialization is not important, but I think you accomplish that in all the ways that you're saying, Katie, which is going to swim lessons, being around your family, being around going to the park. That all happens naturally. It doesn't have to happen in a same age classroom situation. I
0: agree. And I've always felt that kids learn how to interact and become you know kids learn how to live in the world by seeing older people do it Mm -hmm. not by looking at kids their own ages not doing
1: it that is so (laughs) true
0: it was like it's it's like a you know a bunch of blind people leading other blind people like because they're all toddlers and they don't
1: you know they don't know they don't know what they don't know and and they don't really they don't even care and that's, again, why just just sort of like modeling how you would be friendly and how outgoing you feel. And they will kind of gain their confidence from that. Um, so this is exciting because this Friday. Um, so this is coming out on a Tuesday. And so just in a few days, we're going to air one of our Mom Hour Voices interviews. And it's with Dr. Eileen Kennedy Moore, who wrote a book about friendships and elementary school aged kids. But we actually took I actually brought some listener questions to her from our Instagram community. And a lot were about social dynamics and uh, preschoolers and younger elementary school kids including topics like shyness or you know being intimidated by big groups of friends so it's a little different than this and i wanted to address katie's specific question but if you want to learn more about this kind of stuff from an expert yeah. it was a fantastic interview um, and if your kids are maybe a little older than katie's and still dealing with shyness or um, troublemaking friends that's really what we talked about and it was a fantastic interview so look for that on friday um, in your podcast feed so that was great and and then i did think of one more thing i guess i'm not done talking about this oh, with katie um all right and that is as your kid gets a little older your shy or reserved kid gets a little older i think you can ask them for guidance on how much they want yes. help you know like i think mm-hmm. a five or six year old maybe even a four-year-old if you're going into um like a family thanksgiving or a birthday party one of those super overwhelming social situations you can just ask and you can without labeling or making them feel self-conscious you can say you know sometimes i feel a little shy when i go into big groups would it help if we held hands you know what can i do to help you feel comfortable would you like to stay near me and t- you know and just sort of dialogue that and i don't think we need to be afraid that the kid's gonna um feel bad or feel like they're right. being labeled um especially if you if you just make it a natural everybody feels yeah. a little bit shy sometimes and how can
0: yeah. i help you so i think that's you can another, relate it to a story about when you were a kid and you felt shy in a situation or and you don't even use you don't even have to use the word shy i know i don't think i You know, or I was, you know, there were so many people, it was really loud. I was, you know, there's just, there's lots of ways to put things. And you might also start to figure out what their triggers are. It, it might not be people. Right. It could be lots of new people. It could be, you know, you might find yourself in a situation where there's like one other kid, they do fine. Or maybe that's worse and more pressure for them. I've, it's so funny. Like I've had kids who I just actually, you know, my kids are older now, but just had a situation, um, about a month ago where a friend of mine that i've known for a long time but i've never met her children okay just happened to be visiting this area and her kids are roughly claire and owen's age and so you know we're like cool we'll get together and hang out for a while and the kids will play it's gonna be great and they were like in a little vacation house um near me so i go there with my kids and none of the children talk to each other everyone like stared at their feet and said nothing and it wasn't until a bunch of kids in like a neighboring cabin came out suddenly okay. they're all playing Interesting. And all of them got in. And my kids aren't particularly shy um or uncomfortable in social situations. It was just so weird. Yeah. And it reminded me that sometimes, you know, what we think is going to work Yeah. <laughs> totally doesn't and you don't even know necessarily why. Like why those other kids maybe there was maybe it was cuz those kids were kind of loud and rough and it just encouraged everyone to get involved or maybe right. there was less pressure because they didn't have to talk just to the one kid their own age. Right. Um, who knows it's just what I thought was going to be the case wasn't and in the end it was okay because the the situation switched up a little bit and suddenly kids who looked like they couldn't even speak English suddenly were like playing and running around right
1: so yeah I mean it's so funny like imagine if like you and I went to a cocktail party and you sort of like nudged me and was like okay Sarah go talk to people like go play with right. go 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 be social with the other grown-ups I don't, I do grown-ups. Yeah, I don't, don't think I do you, do. you I just hang nervous? on to you um but we do that to <laughs> our, our kids sometimes yeah no I just I just hang tight to you but no um but we do that to our kids sometimes right we yeah. put a whole bunch of three-year olds in a room and they're like okay go play with your friends and they're like but these aren't my friends th- these aren't my friends and you're my mom and I want to hang out with <laughs> right. you so I think I'm what I'm hearing from Katie is she really does respect that and doesn't want to push but just you know, wants to make sure she's supporting the growth. And so I think she's probably already doing a great job, but hopefully we offered maybe some more ideas. One other so, thing
0: I would say, yeah. since we're throwing in one's Mars, it made me think of it when you said the thing about, you know, go play and like, the kid is, you know, like my mom's here. I want to hang with her. I would be interested to know, and I wouldn't recommend like dumping your kid off and taking off because you want to do an experiment on them necessarily. But I'd be very curious to know if that changes at all if Katie's not around mm-hmm. because sometimes I think what looks like shyness is actually a preference for mom mm-hmm. over yeah. anybody else and if mom is taken out of the equation what would that kid do and again right. that's like I think there's natural ways to test that without being like well let's see right <laughs> let's do an experiment and find out but um I, I, that's been the case for me. Like kids can sometimes appear to be shy when really they just have a strong preference for mom or dad. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, or like we touched on earlier, possibly just groups are overwhelming too. When I did yeah. the interview with Dr. Kennedy Moore, she talked a lot about playdates and I always think of playdates as like something from, moms to do to get out of the house right. and yeah. chit chat because that's how I think of it but sh- developmentally uh, one-on-one play dates are really really good for kids especially kids who you know get overwhelmed in larger situations or who or who need to practice being you know yeah you know l- learning how to play with other kids so that could yep. be another kind of small way to do it so all yeah. right. Well, we got through. Three. Did we solve all of the? problems? We solved the problems. All right. the problems. Um, in the show notes for this episode 122, I will link to all of the other episodes where we've done listener Q and A. Because I don't know. I want to say it's around 10 by now. Yeah. Um, and so that will be a fun way to. If you just like this kind of. If you're new around here and you like this uh, dear Abby style mm-hmm. <laughs> that we occasionally do, I will link up all those. And then next week we're going to take three more questions from listeners. So that will be fun. Fun. Um, yeah kind snacks thanks to kind snacks and thanks to fab fit fun all the info about getting those great brands will also be in the show notes at themomhour.com talk to you next time